Easter Sunday 2020 is different for most of us as we find new ways to worship from home and separated from our congregations. Bishop Waldo preached at the Easter morning Eucharist at Trinity Cathedral on the power of love that Jesus Christ showed on the cross and in rising again and the power that love has to transform our lives in this time and in this place. Hope you enjoy this Easter sermon from Bishop Waldo on Make, Equip, and Send, the stories that shape EDUSC. Jesus, once she had come to recognize him. Standing before him at his now empty tomb, charged every memory of her earlier days in his presence. Her memories were electric with energy as she recalled every word from him, every word about him, his teachings, his miracles, his healings, his prophetic and embodied witness. God's love. When she gathered with the other disciples and uttered the words, I have seen the Lord, excitement coursed through the community of those who had loved and followed Jesus since his early ministry in Galilee. For some three years, the word about Jesus had been viral throughout Galilee and Judea. Crowds had followed and gathered around him wherever he went, packing rooms, trying to touch him, eager to see him with their own eyes and hear him with their own ears. News of his coming to a place frequently preceded his actual arrival, and people had often been there waiting for him. Now Jesus had risen from the dead, and all that had been foretold had come to be. For the next 50 days, in a kind of self-inflicted quarantine, the disciples would hide in fear until at the first Pentecost, the Holy Spirit empowered them, filled with joy, to go out into the world. And then the message God's redemptive love went truly viral. Peter tells us in the Acts of the Apostles how the message about Jesus had spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced. And this passage in Acts about the early spread of the gospel captures the core proclamation about God's work through Christ Jesus how and to whom Jesus had ministered. What happened to him on the cross at the hands of the Romans and his opponents? That he rose from the dead on the third day. Who witnessed all this? How they were called to proclaim Christ to all people. And that all this was 
a fulfillment of the ancient prophecies for the forgiveness of sins. That word viral, so common in this age of social media, perfectly describes how word of the risen Jesus spread throughout the Mediterranean and eventually the globe, if perhaps more slowly in the non-internet age. But what a paradoxical word at this Easter celebration in the midst of a global viral pandemic. I am grateful that good news can, in fact, go viral. The core proclamation of this news in Acts, known to us by the Greek word kerygma, the kerygma, is found in other places within the New Testament as well. It was critical that the apostolic witnesses of Jesus' life, ministry, suffering, death, and resurrection record this charisma, this message, so that it could be accurately passed on and be received over the ages as the true witness to just how much God loves the world. This core proclamation of the good news of God in Christ has come down to us and lasted all these ages because it is authoritative. It's authoritative in many ways, but especially as presiding bishop Michael Curry puts it, because if it's not about love, it's not about God. Everything in the curriculum is rooted in love. God's love for everybody, everywhere, and our call to join God on that mission of love. But there is also much viral competition against the good news of the gospel out there. There has, of course, always been competition to challenge the message of the gospel. We live in a world of instant, 24-7, agenda-loaded news coverage, financial and political greed, barely filtered social media, and deceitful conspiracy theories, which we still somehow finding ourselves conceding our loyalties to. Mutually contemptuous emotional disdain from each other over hot and hot button issues has thereby preceded the arrival of COVID-19 by decades. In light of such challenges, however, I remain joyfully grateful for the idea that as Christians, we are simply yet complicatedly called to love God and to love our neighbor. When I was a brand new ordained person in my first year after completing seminary, 
I served as curate at a downtown parish in Manchester, New Hampshire. In my great and mature wisdom, I decided once to take on one of those hot button issues from the pulpit. You may briefly worry when I begin this story about gun rights, gun control encounter, gun rights, gun control encounter, which some of you will have heard me tell before. You may worry that I'm straying into politics. I assure you in advance that this is an Easter story. The raging question in New Hampshire at the time, 1988 or 89, I think, was a 30-day waiting period on firearm purchases. My really smart thing to do in sermon was a passionate plea in favor of such a waiting period. But before I describe what happened next, you need to know what my attitude about these things had been shaped by. When I read a book 25 years earlier as a 14-year-old growing up in Alabama, I was about to begin the ninth grade at a boarding school near Birmingham. The assignment was to read a book and write about it so our English teacher-to-be would have a sense of what she had to work with. I read All Quiet on the Western Front. A book about World War I that, upon reading it, turned me into a pacifist. Without a second thought, I gave my beautiful, inherited 1910 Winchester 22 away to my sister. Over the subsequent years, I became quite radicalized about gun control. So that Sunday, more than 30 years ago in Manchester, New Hampshire, I preached a passionate sermon. When I processed out at the end of the service, a parishioner, Joe Smiga, was waiting at the door, madder than a hornet, with his finger pounding my chest. It was not a good time to talk, I said to him, with a line of people forming behind him, so I asked him if we could have lunch. A couple of weeks later, we met to eat and talk, and over the course of the meal, energetically debated our points of view. I learned that Joe's sister had been murdered. His stake in the conversation was unimpeachable. We still disagreed on solutions, but Joe and I also discovered that we liked each other. Breakfast, Another lunch followed in the next few weeks, and Joe finally said, let's do a parish forum on gun rights and gun control. Now, having already stepped haplessly into a wildly divisive issue from the pulpit, I was hesitant, wanting to limit any further damage, but we agreed. Amazingly, 40 parishioners showed up. In the course of a two to three hour session, we talked and listened together as we created a verbal spectrum from extreme gun rights to extreme gun control positions until we reached what we agreed to be a middle position. 
We weren't all agreeing to be in the middle position. We simply agreed that this was probably the middle. As the facilitators, Joe and I both felt we'd heard things we hadn't considered before. We both talked them, and Joe said, even though I'm not really convinced, I will go around to the local law enforcement officials and firearm shops and ranges and ask them to support the waiting period. Now, he actually did do that, changing few, if any, minds. Joe and I remained at different places on the spectrum we created. But we had both come to the table of debate with the love of God and love of neighbor on our hearts. And the relationship we formed with each other was transformed by that love. Indeed, by the message of Jesus' cross and resurrection. When I ultimately moved on from that congregation, my relationship with Joe was the one that had most shaped and inspired my young ministry, the memory of which has brought a smile of the deepest joy and gratitude to my face ever since. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That love was for Joe. That love was for me. That love was for all of us. For all the physical distancing, loss, and suffering involved in defeating the coronavirus, acts of grace and goodness for people with whom we disagree, and even with strangers, continue in the midst of it all, often in gratitude for God's love love that has been so broadly spread across the globe. Every one of these acts of grace and goodness, however small, are critically important and have the potential to change us when offered out of the abundance of God's unconditional love. God's love for you, for me, and for the whole world. We know that viruses like COVID-19 are dangerously contagious. We also know that we can be contagiously susceptible to a world that executes cunning and deceptive plays on our prejudices and self-concerns. But not all that is contagious hurts or destroys us. God's gracious, forgiving, generous, and steadfast love can be and is contagious. God's self-sacrificing, merciful love in Christ Jesus heals, heals our wounds, heals our disagreements, heals our distance. Loving others generously 
really does cover a multitude of sins. If it's not about love, it really isn't about God. If it is about love, it's all about God. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.